the nachos. No rain, nor wind, nor snow classico. Putting the high line with Rabbi and Red. Talking the rabbits and turning heads. With questions from you and analysis. In your car, in your home. Thank you for tuning to Holding the High Line. Hello. Rapids fans, this is Holding the High Line with Rabbi and Red. We are sponsored by Icarus FC and Roughneck Scarves. My name is Matt Pollard, and it is Tuesday, March 15th, 2022. Happy belated Pie Day. Cristiano Ronaldo has brought Tom Brady out of retirement. The Camp New is now sponsored by Spotify. That's not controversial at all, given recent events. And the Colorado Rapids have sprung forward with a second straight win at home. I am joined now by a man who likes to wheel it through open doors, Rabbi Mark Goodman. Good to see you, Matt. How's everything going? I'm good. You know, obviously a fantastic weekend uh, seeing the Rapids get another win at home. And I don't know if you saw, Mark, but uh, earlier today I was actually on the uh, official MLS Twitter spaces. Andrew Wiebe invited me, so I guess I'm I'm finally cool enough to uh, to rub proverbial internet elbows with uh, the guys in extra time um, and talk about the favorite thing that we like to talk about here at Holding the High Line, Mark, MLSsoccer.com's weekly power rankings. You are always cool enough, Matt. It's just the rest of the world is slowly catching up to what we already know. So it's it's a it's a it's it's well deserved. Uh, so I will post a link to that in the show notes, folks, for those who want to go back and check on it. Um, some really good Rapids content, um, getting to speak with Andrew Wiebe and Matt Doyle. Uh, Mark, for the banter topic, I want to talk about something that's not soccer related at all. There's this thing that has taken over the internet that I would say is on par with like the dress that you might remember from 2014 and whether or not it was black and blue or gold and white and that is the question of wheels or doors mark are there more wheels or doors in the world where do you stand on this how do you go about calculating this extremely important and complicated query that was good social from the rapids and now you've put me on the spot and although i'm lucky i got to watch the video and kind of see how everyone broke down I felt I was a little confused that everybody kind of like, I think, I think one person at the very end, not entirely sure who, um, kind of came up with the thought that I was having the whole time, which is like, what about all the wheelbarrows in the world? What about all the skateboards? I think maybe it was uh, Andre Shinyashiki who made a com- made the comment about the, the skateboards and the bicycles, which have no doors, but multiple wheels. I think there's a lot of those in the world. There's a lot of things that have wheels and no doors. I think there's more of them than have doors and no wheels, like houses. There was some comment in the middle about how there were houses that have wheels and, you know, trailers and whatever. But I, I guess put me put me down for team wheels, no doors. I, I am really glad I, uh, I, for the first time in my life, Matt, I played, uh, I went to a trivia event this weekend and my team won. I won, I have a small terrible plastic trophy upstairs from winning this trivia event and i have to say like i feel very proud of myself that like i won thank god that there was no question about wheels versus doors at that trivia event matt where do you hold on the wheels versus the doors so i'm gonna do a very typical engineering thing mark and really i'm ultimately gonna answer the question i am team doors i'll explain why (laughs) in a moment but i feel again as a typical engineer i think the question is inherently oversimplified and ultimately ill-defined in a way that renders it almost useless like you might as well you know like so in any case to, to your point i'm kind of questioning like what's defined as a door what's defined as a wheel i think the initial thought that you think about like the the base level the layman's uh gut reaction to this question is are there more car wheels in 
the world or they're more like doors in houses and buildings and offices and everything. But we're standing here. Mark, you are coming to me via my laptop on the Jeff Lorenowitz Memorial Kitchen Island. And I'm looking around if we're counting my fridge doors, my cabinet doors, does the oven door, does the microwave door, do those all count as doors? There's like 15 doors all in my uh, all in my kitchen area alone. Yeah. So, and then right. I think the also the thought of oh, what about cars? Cars have doors too. So unless we're counting like eighteen wheelers and airplanes, I would say the majority of motorized vehicles in this world have uh, possibly as many doors as they do wheels, or at the very least, like the number of wheels that you have are taken down. Also, there's the question when we're talking about cars: does the steering wheel count as a wheel? What about like all the small little oh, Lego no. wheels in the world? Um, oh, no. so I. So I I would like a so the the person that initially you know created this and then the internet ran with it and is now ready to kill it by overdoing it by the end of this week probably by the time you're listening to us on Wednesday or Thursday of this week listeners is I would like a firm definition of what we're counting as a wheel a firm definition of what we're counting as a door. But if we're taking the absolute most liberal definition that I have of what a wheel is and what a door is, I think there are more things that out of context we would consider doors than there are wheels we would take out of a normal context of what a wheel is. And so in that, I'm team doors. But, uh, you know, this question's uh, this question's inherently oversimplified. And maybe in doing so, I've killed it more so than made an argument to the listeners why they should be doors as opposed to mark you being wheels. Nice. I, I'm glad we we took different sides of this. We often, unfortunately, take the same side, which is, uh, I don't know, like, it's good that we we are generally of the same mind, but it's nice when we disagree on the important things, the, the big critical issues, so we can have meaningful, thoughtful debates about huge, important issues in life, like whether there are more wheels or doors in the universe. Very well said, Mark. Let's get into some player news. Mark, since last we podcasted, we've unfortunately got a lot of really bad injury news uh, regarding the Burgundy Boys. We'll start chronologically with Bubakar Keita. It was announced this past Thursday that he underwent and had successful um, ACL surgery on his right knee, and then the expected timeline for return would be to last nine months. So if we're saying that he got it in the beginning of March, so April would be into one month, that puts him in into late September early November period. Mark, at that point, when we're looking at it, the Rapids are making a deep run into the MLS Cup playoffs. Or if I'm not mistaken, at that point, we're looking at like conference finals, MLS Cup probably, um, that Kato would be coming back. So similar to Brian Galvan, he is effectively out for the season. Obviously, he had yet to make his Colorado Rapids debut. I think he was only on the bench one of the now five uh, competitive games that the Rapids have played this season. And Mark, it uh, it harkens back to kind of a lasting concern or curiosity that we have about this middle of the season of Austin Trusty's loan from Arsenal is going to expire in mid-July and he's going to go off to North London. And then what are the Rapids doing at center back? And clearly, at least for the second half of this season, Abuba Karkata is no longer one of those potential answers to that question, which leaves two unproven youngsters in Mike Edwards. And the recently signed Anthony Markanich, and then obviously the uh, veteran Drew Moore, who subbed on uh, on the weekend. Uh, Mark, you are our resident knee injury recovery expert. Uh, <laughs> what is Abubakar Keda going through? Is there anything about him being a center back and maybe less of a mobile techers knee mobility or maybe jumping? As a center back, is, is there anything about how Keita would play the game relative to Galvan to where these recoveries would be different? And ultimately, what does this mean for the center back depth chart for the Rapids come July 18th? I think for me, um, personally, having experienced it, but also talking to folks who've injured their knees, like the biggest thing in soccer about a knee injury, a, a torn ACL, is um, the first time you decide that you want to plant and change directions or 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 cut um it's really like running straight ahead is never an issue and jumping isn't really an issue um it, it's really like changing direction or like that kind of beep test switching of of like watching the 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 leg take on all that strain that load and then and then pivot the other thing that happens is like that first time you ever kind of make a light turn or even a, a, a sharpish turn where you plant a foot and then redirect at like a 
45 or a 30 or a 90 degree angle, like that's kind of scary because you feel like that knee isn't gonna like hold up. And so what's what, what athletes do when they, and, and even non-athletes like me go through when they, um, when they injure that knee is that they, they build up those muscles around the knee ligament to kind of support it when they, um, are inevitably going to be asked to kind of like plant and cut or plant and turn on it. Um, I don't think that that has as big an impact on the leaping ability for a center back. I, I think a lot of it and, um, you know, t- having talked to Drew Moore and Dylan Serna after they came off their knee injuries a little bit about their experience, it's a lot about confidence and having the confidence to kind of go into a situation and know that it's there. Um, I did a lot of like, uh, PT and forgive me listeners if I've if I'm repeating something that I said just a couple weeks ago the last time we dealt with the torn ACL issue but um I feel like uh the most important thing that happens is 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 those um stretching and strengthening exercises for the knee and then being told by your PT like oh yeah we've measured it um you're back where you used to be at you're you're doing just fine but for me, like because I I um, I'm not a professional athlete, um, I feel like I never a hundred percent came back. Like I still like I still feel like when I go upstairs, Matt, um, my right knee buckles has a little bit of wobble that my left knee doesn't have. Um, but uh, you know, I mean, I and I'm a hundred percent back, and I tore my ACL uh, fifteen years ago. Uh, other major injury that we had, Mark, that was just announced. Uh, so we're recording this at 8.42 p.m. Mountain Time, folks. So this would have been a press release from today at 6.10 p.m. So not quite, right about two and a half hours ago, Ali Raz underwent successful surgery on his lower right leg due to a compound fracture in his tibia. There was also a post by Ali on his Instagram as well. Uh, he's indicated that he's already out of the cast and so out, out of the, the hard shell that he might have been uh, wearing in the photo that he posted and already doing some load bearing. The Rapids are uh, indicating that the recovery time should take approximately 12 weeks, so March into April, May, June. So that would put him right around middle of June that he's uh, coming back with the Rapids. So, I mean, he's missing a decent, you know, Mark, that's what, a third, maybe almost halfway through the season, you know, and that's that's pretty tough. Um, you know, it, he was a young player who I think we all had a lot of hopes for what he could bring to the midfield, being a versatile player, being somebody off the bench this is a setback Ollie is young enough to wear you know recovery for him as opposed to if this were happening to mark someone your or my age is certainly uh, a lot better um but you know and I think it's it's a compound fracture which isn't good but then it's also only a fracture so it's not a break and then it's something you know bones heal bones can be reinforced with surgery albeit you know it's not necessarily convenient uh nor is it not painful but that's a lot better that heals better than to tissue like ACLs and meniscuses, uh, menisci, menisci, um, end up uh, getting hurt as well. So I think this hurts the Rapids midfield to a certain extent. I know Ollie hadn't really been getting into the lineup at all. If I'm not mistaken, I'm not sure he'd played a minute in MLS. I'd have to go back and and check the stats. But, you know, this is another option that they were going to have that now they don't. Um, and now more of the onus in terms of the on-the-ball play, I think, just further falls to Mark Anthony Kay, who no doubt is a starter on this team. Max, who I think is increasingly working his way into a starting lineup role. And Mark, maybe this is more of a role for Nicholas Mosquita to be that guy off the bench as opposed to an Ali LaRoz. Um, But, you know, we'll see how uh, the Rapids deal with this um, in terms of depth and bench options from in the center midfield role. Um, and just like Keita and Galvan, uh, Mark, I think we at HDHL are officially wishing all three of these now long-term injured players, uh, you know, um, well wishes on terms of getting back to recovery. And hopefully we can see them close to the versions that they have been with the Rapids. I'll say close to the version that uh, Bubakar Keita was when he was starting with Columbus last year uh, back in Burgundy and Blue. Mark, this brings up an interesting Ask HTHL that we got from 
uh, Logan F., uh, who is asking, uh, you know, I'm not putting blame on anyone, but when do we start asking questions about training? The number of non-game injuries uh, is starting to be concerning. Obviously, three long-term injuries, Mark. Uh, I think it's safe to... I, I All three of these injuries, I'm pretty confident, happened in training. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Mark. Most ACL, um, you know, tissue issues generally are non-contact. So I don't know that we can say I don't know. This isn't an, maybe an indication that you know guys are going too hard in training and then injuring each other rather than injuring opponents uh, in actual MLS competition. But I do think it's an interesting question. You know, is there something the Rapids are doing from a training standpoint that they could be handling a little bit better to prevent injuries? Is there something in the prep and physical therapy and, you know, actual load bearing or um, physical fitness that they're maybe not doing correct? I will say that overall, that entire department that's been built out has improved uh, from my understanding I'll say since COVID. Um, and then, you know, if we're going all the way further back, Mark, I think we could argue that maybe um, there were things that could have been done better or differently. Where the club was at from a recovery and then injury standpoint with how they handled the initial start of Sam Nicholson's back injury and then certainly the first couple of years with Courtney Ford, I think give cause to pause or questions about what's being handled there. I would say overall, at least certainly under Robin Frazier, it's been very good and much better. But Mark, I think it asks a question, is there something that the Rapids are doing in training that is creating a that is creating a increased likelihood and ultimately a result for long-term injured players in those training sessions? I don't think the two of us as pundits could speak intelligently about it in a in an authoritative way because we don't have data. Um, I, I think I think that the, the the question from our Ask HTHL, though, it is valid. Um, you And you have to ask it in the sense that if something goes wrong, it would be foolhardy as an organization to not look into it and say, like, all right, is there something we could be doing differently or better? And so I think the fitness and training staff will probably look at it. Um, I hope that they find that they've done nothing wrong because you're right. Like, th there's nothing... You know, there's nothing as far as I know, like in in sports science, like we're far enough along and developed to the point where the sports science department should totally know what the proper warm up and fitness drills are. Um, there's an additional element that is worth noting, which is there's there's been a longstanding debate inside the soccer community about. Um, the quality of turf uh, and the quality of grass uh, when players play on it. Once upon a time, there there were a lot of studies that demonstrated that um, kind of ori the original versions of like 80s and 90s AstroTurf caused far higher rates of uh, knee injuries than actual grass. Um, recently, in the last five years, I've looked at a bunch of different articles and studies that have shown that the modern versions of turf are basically equal to the modern versions of grass. They they have a lot more give. They're a lot more thoughtfully and scientifically developed. Um, and there's no indications that they're they're tough. There's anecdotal evidence from players that worn out um, astroturf uh, or field turf, as it's technically referred to these days, um, is uh, harder on the knees. It, it the, the plastic and the rubber tends to set and gets firmer. Um, whether that w whether that translates to actually causing injuries or not, I don't know. Um, here in Pittsburgh, you know, the players used to complain bitterly at the end of the the field turf's lifespan a couple of years ago before the Riverhounds replaced it that it, it was really hard, and that um, teams around the league had sort of learned that it played radically different than than the rest of the field and, and i always kind of worried that that was causing undue stress on the players knees but um i don't remember any any number of i don't remember any torn acls that season i don't remember any higher or lower incidents of injuries here in pittsburgh than elsewhere um but i do think that that's worth looking into to say all right where have these acl injuries and broken leg and did this broken leg take place did it take place on the turf field um outside uh on the dsgp uh pitches um if so when was the last time it was replaced 
What was the nature of the injury? How did it occur? You know, would that injury have occurred otherwise? And the last thing I'll say is I think weather might be a third factor to kind of look at. Like, um, you know, there's not as much give to the dirt and to the grass when the ground is hard and frozen. And at the early part of the season, you know, the Rapids started by training in tropical weather, as they always do in January and February. Then they came right back and started playing outside in cold Colorado weather. Like, was the ground too frozen? And did that have adverse effects on um, the way players' bodies reacted to it? So I, I think that Colorado, probably the training staff, did everything they could to prepare these players physically and bad luck struck, but there are probably other factors at work that there are too many variables to really fully kind of ever really know, but they'll definitely have to look at it. And I think the other thing to kind of point out here, Mark, is that, you know, the Rapids have been relatively healthy when it comes to long-term injuries. Like they haven't had anybody recently who's been out for the entire season. You know, I guess the one. Yeah. Last year we did great. I mean, we had, uh, do we have any 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 long term injuries last year? Uh, well, I guess the the only one that you would kind of count would be Courtney Ford, but I mean he was in and Eunice Nomley. Yeah, and Eunice right. Nomley. So Nomley would have missed what about I think about four months with the ankle surgery. And then Court Ford obviously would have been coming back, but I mean, he was in training. He was active. It's not like he was, you know, not available for selection. So, and then, you know, if we go further to 2020, the most significant lack of availability you had would have been COVID related. Um, I guess also last year it would have been Diego Rubio, but you know, it's not like they had, they didn't have anybody who was out for the season. They didn't have, and they didn't have multiple injuries at any real point to uh, the same position as well. So in that regard, I think the Rapids have been relatively healthy. Is this all just random chance? Is this, you know, the MLS script writers deciding that it's the Rapids turn to have some long term injury bugs? I'm not entirely sure. But uh, Mark, shall we get to the actual soccering? Oh, wait, uh, two things. Uh, First of all, uh, Mark Harris. Apparently not. Harris, the uh, Derry County uh, Striker Academy product, was made official with Rapids 2 last week. Uh, Mark, we kind of already knew that um, we were both kind of suspecting this was more of a Rapids 2 move. Um, I do have some indication, folks. He is not currently in country, is my understanding. Uh, The visa situation in World football is complicated and very, very slow. We saw a couple weeks ago when Atlanta came to Colorado, they had two pretty significant players who were unavailable due to ongoing visa issues. It's my understanding that Ireland working with the United States might be a little bit easier than some other countries that MLS teams are potentially signing players for. So we'll see if and when, uh, not if, excuse me. We'll see when Harris actually arrives with Rapids 2, who are now obviously in their preseason, but certainly a young, um, potential exciting player. And the fact that he's coming from Ireland, Mark, I have to imagine that uh, this isn't a move the Rapids are making without Porrick Smith, knowing something that certainly nobody else in MLS was digging down if we're looking at, you know, academy level players in the League of Ireland. Anything else that we want to say about Harris? Uh, I mean, I'm glad that you and I both kind of... uh looked at it and basically said, I mean, you made you made the really good point that like the Irish League just isn't that high up on most people's radar. So both of us were kind of like, this looks like a Rapids 2 move. And, you know, people should listen to our podcast because sometimes we know what we're talking about. Uh, last thing that I want to say, Marco, uh, we still that we have like one maybe final batch of stickers. We're down to low single digits. So if anybody else would like some of the two by two htl gel sticker stickers uh it is literally last call the next person who dms me and says that they want some unless you only want like one you are definitely going to get all that are left so um you know feel free to message me if you want those and then i don't know uh mark was there was it easy for us to get those made and print it out i didn't have i mean they were they were cheap but uh i'm i'm all in for doing more merch and i i think that that sticker sticker size is a little small i kind of want to go up a notch so um maybe we'll do that i also uh i have a marker down for our a friend of mine who does graphic design to to make us something cool so i was thinking maybe we'd make something cool maybe in one color and throw it on a t-shirt maybe like you know like a a black and white image of matt's face you know like just a right on a t-shirt with the with the mustache and maybe the flat brim hat that you're rocking right now with your a basin uh sweater like you know we just look 
you know, let's I think I think most people what the what the fans are clamoring for right now, Matt, other than stickers is your face on a giant t-shirt. Yeah, I think that's what people really want. Mark, am, am I going to be like the Les Sneed meme where he's saying F them picks? Am I going to be like F them DP strikers because we don't need them or something? I don't... F them kids, man. No, I, I was thinking more along the lines of, you know, you know, you know, Steve-O from, uh, from uh, whatchamacallit, from J- the Jackass series. Do you know Steve-O has a, a, a tattoo of his own face on his back? three times as large as his actual face. I think that's what it is, Matt. We should get giant tattoos of Matt in larger size on our on our backs. <laughs> uh, listeners, this past Saturday at Dick's Sporting Goods Park, the Colorado Rapids were victorious over rivals Sporting Kansas City by a score of 2 to nil. No significant lineup changes that we had from the Rapids in this game, Mark, other than the absence of Danny Wilson, who obviously was still uh, questionable with a hamstring injury. And it was, as we suspected, Keegan Rosenberry moving in to the left center back role, Lalo Sabubakar occupying the central center back role, and then Stephen Betasher occupying his spot as the right wing back in a 3-4-3. I would argue, Mark, it was more of a 3-4-3 than the 5-3-2 empty bucket, and then lots of changes for Sporting Kansas City. Daniel Shallowy was a late scratch from this game, so they had their two new strikers whose names, even after Daniel Sperry telling me multiple times how to pronounce them, I'm still not entirely sure. One of them's a Montenegrin, one of them's the guy they signed out of Greece. Um, in any case, Mark, uh, the Rapids got out and were relatively positive after the first 15 minutes where I thought teams were – the two teams were trying to feel each other out and it was getting a little bit chippy. Diego Rubio had a chance on a volley set up by Mark Anthony K in the 14th minute. Both teams were kind of content to press the other when the other was trying to build out of the back and neither of them really did a good job of dealing with that. William Yarbrough had a couple giveaways early on when the Rapids had to play back and he passed it out to an SKC player. Uh, For the most part, the Rapids defense was able to deal with that. Uh, Pids go up 1-0 on the 21st minute. Diego Rubio from Lucas Estevez, who made a great run, cut inside and then threaded the ball through a gap as Rubio was making his run. Unlike on Rubio's try to volley earlier in the match, he takes a touch and then slots it past Tim Melia to make it 1-0. Two minutes later, you had Michael Barrios on a breakaway. Tim Melia coming off his line with a fantastic save. Barrios marks starting for me to look like a little bit of a concern in in terms of decision making, he's had a couple really good open looks and hasn't been able to put any of them away. On the 41st minute, yet a real scare for the Pids on a defensive corner. The ball goes off Keegan Rosenberry, maybe awkwardly, certainly not in a way that he expected, goes towards Kuhn. William Yarbrough saves the ball right on the line. Johnny Russell uh, picked off Diego Rubio. Not sure if that was supposed to be a foul. The official gradually started swallowing his whistle, and there were some hard tackles, Mark, that I thought could have been yellow cards for both sides in the second half. So Russell picks off Rubio in the 43rd minute, dribbles in on goal, but shoots directly at William Yarbrough. Uh, not a whole lot going on in the second half after the second goal in the 51st minute. Mark Anthony K with a nice little redirect tip drill from Stephen Betisher, who got onto a ball from Jack Price on the corner. A uh, couple free chances for Johnny Russell, Mark. He had that free kick that eventually went into the wall, and then another shot that went to the outside netting that I'm not sure was really going to be that dangerous. Uh, and then kind of two significant substitutions we had in the second half. Lucas Estevez with a great pick off of Johnny Russell on 64 minutes, and then he plays the ball out, going down and kind of signaling to be substituted out, and then he gets subbed out in the 67th minute for Drew Moore. Look to me, Mark, from the far angle that he was like, holding his left upper leg. I don't want to speculate. And then in the 81st minute, you had basically a line change from Sporting Kansas City, the most significant of which was Andre Ofantas, the center back, coming off for Courtney Ford, who made his Sporting Kansas City and 2022 MLS regular season debut against his former club. Mark, what was your favorite thing from this past Saturday's win? Um, I mean, the... The cool thing about the Rapids is the thing that I always like when in relationship to you and I, which is I think you and I um, will 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 make critical comments about a player um, or write critical articles. And we're right. We're right at the time. 
And then over time, uh, it, at some point, that player, probably not because they're listening to this podcast and they're pissed off at us, will then go out and prove us wrong, right? So, like, um, Kellen Acosta was exceedingly disappointing for his first two years as a Rapid. And then Robin Frazier worked some kind of magic with him that Anthony Hudson couldn't figure out and turned him around and turned him into a really productive player in years three and four. Um, Diego Rubio is having a really nice turnaround right now. And fans <laughs> are starting to say, like, hey, we don't need a number nine. We don't need a DP striker. We've got Diego Rubio, which I think that's premature. <laughs> I think um, small sample size is important to note. Um, last year, you know, uh, Dominic Baji played like eight games for the Rapids and had like five goals. And I think the assumption that a, a few fans made at the end of the season was we should keep Baji because if we took the math and extrapolated it out, he's going to have 25 goals next year. And guys, that's not how it works, right? Like, that's it's not going to happen. Um, but Diego Rubio's first goal was just beautiful. I mean, it was really wonderful. And it really defied the normal way you see guys score goals. That, that kind of moment where you, like, you just exactly time your run so that the entire back line thinks you're offside, but actually you're not. You're in perfect position. And more importantly, with Rubio, he finished. He finished perfectly. And I think one of the things that we've seen this year even and, and a lot of last year was when given the chance in front of goal, um, he was not uh, careful. He was he was profligate. He was uh, wasteful. Um, and you don't get that many chances in front of goal. So you have to be you have to be really good. But his goal was gorgeous. And the last thing I want to say about it is um you know, I, I'm not the kind of guy who, who likes to pick on players that have victimized the Rapids in the past, but I do think that Graham Zussi has been a nuisance in the side of Colorado for years. So seeing that it was his fault that um, Diego Rubio was onside because he kind of dropped the line a little bit, as they say, he was not in line with the other defenders. I, I wouldn't say it's satisfying, but it does feel like justice, you know, like, that Zussi has undone the Rapids on many occasions. And in this case, he was the undoing for um, SKC that, that led to that lead goal, which really changed everything. At that point, the Rapids were on the front foot and the whole game was kind of a lock for them. All right, Matt, what was your, th your good thing? A uh, little bit of a sentimental one in addition to Courtney Ford was uh, Darren Yappy officially nice. making his MLS debut. Yes. Uh, asked, uh, Robin Frazier was asked about it post-game and kind of said, you know, similar to maybe Sebastian Anderson last year where he's been working really hard. He's been trying to earn the trust in of the coaching staff and everything, and they want to get him minutes. I, I would say the timing of the substitution was almost ceremonial. The result was already determined. It wasn't like, hey, you know, we're putting on Yappi because we need another goal and we're trying to change things up front or something. But, you know, it's it's a check mark. Like, there are, you know, only so many kids who's ever been in the Rapids Development Academy have, uh, you know, have stepped on, on the field at Dick Sporting Goods Park in an official MLS competition. And so, you know, there's not a lot of players who get to say that they're a professional player who made a debut for their hometown club. Yappi is now one of those. Uh, and so hopefully this is, you know, an indication of more appearances and more minutes to be played from Yappi. Uh, I want to talk about how they defended Johnny Russell, Mark. I would say kind of, you know, the, the last two wins have been feel good and relatively comfortable performances and results. I would say given that, you know, uh, it took a stoppage time winner for Atlanta to beat lowly Charlotte FC, maybe pump the brakes. I don't know that Atlanta's back back yet. Certainly Joseph Martinez did not look good against the Rapids and hasn't been good this season. And this was not a fully fit and strong sporting Kansas City side. Daniel Shallowy no. was unavailable. That made life a lot easier for Keegan Rosenberry and Steven Batisher defensively. And then you have to account, you know, Hernandez getting subbed out, you know, maybe changed things for them and they had a little bit less bite in the midfield and made life easier for a Mark Anthony Kay or a Jack Price. Guy Kinda was out. Uh, Alan Polito was out. I mean, I, we're, I'm starting to look at this sporting Kansas City team as potentially an MLS team in crisis because they don't look like they have the horses 
um, to kind of be the team that they've been like in the past. Sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead, Matt. And then maybe the one player you would say would have, you know, would put his team on the back in that situation, Mark, would be Johnny Russell. And yeah. I thought Lucas Estevez was absolutely fantastic in this game. I think you can make an argument after Rubio, he was probably the man of the match for the Rapids for me. Yeah. Honestly, because of what he did again in the attack that was so effective, but simultaneously was tracking back to get on Johnny Russell. You know, Russell didn't really have a whole lot of space or chances or anything. It was kind of there was nothing going on down the Kansas City left, the Rapids right end of the field. So the ball just naturally funneled to Russell and he got the ball. And then as soon as he got space, somebody closed him down. Uh, There were multiple really good tackles by Austin Trusty, by Lucas Estevez. Even Jack Price, I think, had a slide tackle in on him to steal the ball in the final third that were all absolutely fantastic and you know the two really good opportunities he had was one off of a direct free kick that he put directly into the wall and the Rapids snuffed it out and the other was that pick that he had towards the end of the first half on Diego Rubio and dribbled it on goal and shot it right at at Rubio, I again kind of have to question whether or not there was a foul in there. So should that have even been negated? So you're talking about Johnny Russell and the only thing that he really does that uh, maybe legally uh, from an officiating standpoint could have given you trouble was a direct free kick and he put it directly into the wall. You did a really good job defending on him. But when he's the only one you have to deal with when you don't have to deal with Daniel Shallowy, I do have to admit the Rapids yeah. two home wins have come against teams maybe who aren't as aren't as formidable as we historically would think about them. But nonetheless, like you said, Graham Zussi's been a thorn in the rapid side. I think you said last week that, you know, it always feels like Johnny Russell is up for these kinds of games. Um, And, you know, Lucas Estevez had had him in his back pocket for the better part of the game. Uh, Mark, I'll start with uh, bad things. I mentioned this in the in the rundown recapping the game. But, you know, Michael Barrios, he's hasn't been as effective or hasn't been as frequent for me in terms of getting those runs in behind and having people actually get him the ball. And he had that fantastic breakaway. You know, I think if he puts that in against Tim Millia, I think it's first half curtains for Sporting Kansas City. Granted, that's one of the many things that Tim Millia does very well. He's very good at timing and position and angle of approach when he has to come off his line to cut down an angle, especially when he's 1v1 with an attacker. So I would say that was more a great save by Millia than it was a bad play by Michael Barrios. But I just, I haven't really seen him get going in the way that I would say Jonathan Lewis is starting to go and certainly Diego. Diego Rubio is feeling himself and deservedly so right now. So that's something that I kind of want to see. Um, Barrios historically plays very well in the state of Texas. He historically plays very well against other Texas teams with the Rapids during his time with FC Dallas. We'll see whether or not he can pick that up or elevate up another notch against Houston. And then Estevez getting subbed out and whether or not there was an injury there. He was walking a little gingerly. How much of that was precautionary given the fact that the scoreline was already 2-0 at that point and knowing that Drew Moore was going to come in and see the game out and they were going to be okay because Keegan Rosenberry could move to an outside back position. I'm not entirely sure, Um, but, you know, that's something similar to Danny Wilson I'm a little bit concerned about. I thought the Rapids were fantastic in terms of how they handled the fluidity of Smorning Kansas City and their defensive shape without Danny Wilson. I thought Lalo Sububakar should be commended for kind of organizing and marshalling the forces, but if Lucas Estevez is out, Mark, well, I think the Rapids can still be defensively solid like they can be when Danny Wilson's unavailable. I do have to question how good they'll be going forward, given Lucas Estevez has been kind of that catalyst. Hopefully, listeners, I will have an update later this week on injury updates regarding both Danny Wilson, who was questionable for this game, and Lucas Estevez, who was subbed out. Mark, any other bad things you'd like to discuss? Um, really minor. I, 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 cause I mostly think that the entire team was very good. It was a good performance all around. And, um, it, you know, it's not going to be a perfect outing every single time. Sometimes one forward is going to be a little bit better than the others, but, um, Jonathan Lewis, you know, was a little bit invisible in this game. He didn't do a whole lot. Um, and that's a thing that happens with strikers or, or especially, uh, wide, uh, attacking forwards where one guy is going to kind of, um, pull players out of position and the other guys are going to be a little bit more invisible. But Jonathan Lewis had um, a headed shot on a, 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 I think a corner in the 61st um, that had a 0.3, was it 0.36, 0.33 expected goals. Uh, it was 0.32 expected goals and, and he missed it. So 
Um, he put it wide to the left. And, and you know, like, that's going to happen. You know, you take your chances. You don't always get them. Um, but, you know, that was, I mean, we, I guess if I'm complaining, we should have won three to nothing instead of two to nothing. That's pretty, pretty lame. But that's that's our 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 bad thing. I guess the big thing is um, what the Rapids proved in this match was that, uh, you know, the fears that fans had after the two-legged loss to Comunicaciones follow, and then following that, um, the opening game uh, defeat are, n- are unfounded. Um, this team is fine. They're solid. They're a very good team. We do have to keep an eye on these injuries because depth might become a problem. I do think uh, looking at the overall roster, um, I think if, not, if I'm not mistaken, we have about 30 players on the potentially active roster, but we now have three players with what are looking like season-ending injuries. Um, they won't necessarily call them season-ending injuries so that they can keep them in the rotation in case they're ready to come back in September. But, um, you know, that's a bit of a concern, uh, whether that means that Anthony Markanich will actually see the field this year um, or whether Michael Edwards will get a start at some point down the road is another one. Um, I guess one last thing, which is, um, I was a little surprised that, uh, despite the fact that, um, they're a little thin at the back instead of, um, starting Drew Moore, they just slid, um, uh, Keegan Rosenberry over and put, uh, Stephen Betashore in at that right back position. I was a little surprised by that. Um, I think it, it speaks well of Stephen Betashore, but I always like to see Drew Moore out there. Matt, any final uh, big things? I would say the Rapids gradually, they grew into the game in terms of dealing with Sporting Kansas City's press. I'll say that that happened whilst the scoreline was either nil-nil or one-nil. I think once it hit two-nil, uh, the game state had completely changed and then Sporting had more of the ball, but I don't think, especially in the first 30 minutes, either team dealt with the other pressing that well, and that's still something that I kind of have a little bit of concern about. Building out of the back other than when they were up a man against Comunicaciones wasn't great in CCL. It was obviously very poor after the first 15 minutes against LAFC, and so I still just think that's something that um, similar to the fitness and getting settled in terms of players getting match sharpness as we're still relatively early on in the season is something that I would like to see improve. I have no doubt that this team is capable of improving and that that's something that Robin Frazier is going to focus on. But they really had some nervy moments where they were passing it around and could have given up a uh, really poorly positioned giveaway. And then obviously Yarborough, um, you know, the ball was played back to him a few times and he had two to three turnovers, I think, in that first half. So I'd like to see if that gets improved the next time that they play a decent pressing team. Again, maybe it's just early season rust that they're kicking off. How much of that in the first 15 minutes was the fact that they didn't have Danny Wilson, who's normally the best ball playing center back and kind of the calming influence on that back three and everything. So they they adjusted, they dealt with the discomfort well. I still think this team, in terms of dealing with a high-pressing, high-energy, hashtag sporting fit team, while they want to play out of the back, they can do better to naturally be in a state of comfort in that position. So that's something that I'm looking at. A few things that I don't know that we said explicitly, Mark. Uh, Mark Anthony K uh, opens up his account for the 2022 season and does that's it with a goal right. off a corner. So I still don't know that the Rapids uh, are, you know, for sure right now can say that they're the set-piece kings given how many goals uh, other teams are scoring from corners. But it's nice to see get them get their first goal on set-pieces. They had had some chances and weren't able to convert it. And the fact that it was maybe a little bit of a training ground moment with uh, Price playing it past everybody to the top of the box for Betashore to run onto it and then a nice little tip drill that I think Nathan McKinnon and the Colorado Avalanche would have been proud of. Fantastic move there by Mark Anthony K. Who I think in another life, Mark, especially growing up in Canada, wouldn't be a half-bad uh, center for uh, the Avalanche or certainly a, a major junior hockey team uh, out there in Ontario, perhaps. Last big... Uh, Big thing that I have for you, Mark, is a nice little quote from Diego Rubio that we got on a question that I asked him about scoring in consecutive games. So here we have, I'm happy with the team. Uh, we talked in preseason that we needed to get more forward. We need to attack more. We need to attack more of the box. I think he's implying getting more numbers in the box. I don't know if that's a, a misquote from the press release or maybe Diego Rubio's, um, you know, uh, 
speaking English as a secondary language. In any case, uh, we need to have more people in the box, and that's going to open up space. Today, that was a huge run from Lucas going inside and almost getting inside the box. He gave me a great pass. Um if I if we put people forward, we can stay more inside the box. I know that it is kind of a difficult game, especially in the first half. We had opportunities, but in the second half, we started to get more people forward. Beta, Lucas, we got people into the box, and we had more chances. Sometimes you only get one opportunity. You need to score. Of course, I'm trying to focus on getting closer to the goal this year. And then Robin Frazier, when asked about it, Mark kind of implied that, you know, Rubio didn't really have a regular preseason last year because he was hurt. And then he was hurt in the middle of the year. He was kind of he was never comfortable or settled last season. I think now you see a player who's fit, who's playing regularly, who's confident and who's showing that on the field, not only with all the other things that Rubio historically does very well that are important to this team, but also now bringing that bite into the actual final third. But Mark, I think about a striker getting more into the box, focusing on being more goal dangerous, generally the team trying to get the ball more forward and getting more numbers into the box to create attacking opportunities. That is literally a paragraph out of the Rapids way op-ed. The fact that Diego Rubio saying it and it's something that he's focusing on and something that the team has made adjustments to put him and the other attackers in a position to be successful that's that is a recipe for future success and I'm just really excited to see what Diego Rubio can do with those opportunities and hopefully be a double digit goal scorer again for the pits rabbi anything else that we want to say about this match or shall we move forward to Houston yeah one last thought I, I definitely uh, want to give a shout out to Stephen Bayshore on his gorgeous assist, uh, you don't see that kind of play very often. That second goal that the Rapids scored, you know, a, a corner kick from Jack Price that uh, Stephen, that was kind of a, a I, I joke with you on Twitter, Matt, that it was a, a faked Loki's toboggan in that the team stacked down the middle and then went to a player that was wide and deep at the back post. And all the Sporting Kansas City players kind of froze. And, um, Betashore just deked it with a little toe poke right straight away to uh, Mark Anthony Kay, who just slammed it into the back of the net. It was like tic-tac-toe. Uh, it, it reminded me of like a, you know, like a, a really nice play in pinball where, you know, you just line it up, you smack it, and it goes right in on the second shot. Um, it was really impressive. And I, I, I don't see, um, you know, teams doing that, anything like that very often. So, Kudos to you, David ba Stephen Betashore, for being an experienced player who can get it done. Uh, listeners, this coming Saturday at 6.30 p.m. Mountain Time, the Colorado Rapids will be heading to BBVA Compass Stadium to take on the Houston Dynamo. We are current 3.34 through the Colorado Rapids 2022 MLS season. They find themselves in fourth in the Western Conference. They have six points off of three games played, a record of two wins, one loss, and no draws, and a goal difference of plus two. Away from DSG this season, they have just one game played, and it is a loss. Houston Dynamo currently ninth in the Western Conference, four points off of three games played, a record of 1-1-1, one, one, and one, a goal difference of zero, and at BVA this season, they have one win and one tie. Mark, the Houston Dynamo are a somewhat different team this season. Paulo Mag Nagamura is in his first year as head coach. They've got some familiar faces that have stuck around. Tim Parker is still their main rock at the back, uh, looking fantastic with his hair color in those all orange jerseys. Uh, he has partnered up with Daniel Starris, who has since left the LA Galaxy. Uh, be curious to know what you think about that, Mark. And then, of course, uh, Steve Clark moving over from the Portland Timbers. The uh, I would say the goalkeeper of chaos in Major League Soccer is Steve Clark. Uh, Karaskia is one of their main holding mid fielder Registas, who I don't know if I'm just counting this based on preseason and last year, Mark, but I feel like every single time he's played the Rapids, he's had a very good game. Darwin Quintero is their main holdover designated player who's been with the team, uh, traded from Montreal a few seasons ago. He had two goals in their win over Vancouver on the weekend. Mark, he is flanked by Corey Baird, who's come over from LAFC, and then Fafa Pico, who's been a tricky, fast little player. Uh, he'll be playing against his former teammate in Philadelphia, Keegan Rosenberry, and then Ferreira has been their starting striker, and they've also spent big on a few other players as well, Mark. 
their big uh, key acquisition being that Sebastian Ferreira, who came over from Club Libertad for a uh, rumored fee of $4.3 million, which would be a club record under new ownership there in Houston. Uh, and then for the sake of completeness, Mark, albeit though he won't be with the team, uh, this for this match, uh, Hector Herrera has signed a pre-contract with the Houston Dynamo to be a DP after he is out of contract this summer with Atletico Madrid. Fortunately for Mark Anthony K and the Colorado Rapids, we will not have to deal with Ache Ache in this match. Uh, Mark, what do we see in Forever Orange? How different is this team given some new players, given Paulo Nagamura coming over um, from the USL? What challenges does this club present on Saturday? In preseason and kind of ranking the teams and, and the moves that teams in the Western Conference had made, although I did forget to remember, forget to remember? Can you forget to remember? Or do you inherently forget to remember? I don't know. Anyways, um, that Nashville had moved over divisions. Um, I put this these guys at the bottom of the Western Conference. They didn't make enough moves. Now, to be fair, um, this was a rating of the moves that the team had made. And they had not signed Hector Herrera um, at the time that I had reviewed them. But I just didn't see a whole lot of moves by this team that really impressed me. Um, I do like Daniel Starez. I think he's a solid addition at the back line, but not like a good addition at the back line. Um, I was surprised at some of the things in this, the way they rolled out their lineup this last week. Um, I did did not know that Griffin Dorsey, who had been kind of a wide midfielder, had been slotted back to right back for Houston. So they played him there this last week. That might be because they lack right backs. Um, also, Darwin Quintero has not really played kind of as the attacking midfield number 10 um, before. He's usually been coming off a wing. And in this last match against um, against Vancouver, he played as the... Um, attacking mid. I would expect to see that again, considering he got two goals and foot mob had him foot mob, foot mob, foot mob, depending on how you want to pronounce it, um, had him at a 9.0 out of 10 um, for their scoring metrics. So he's pretty good. The only player on this team who I think strikes fear into the hearts of folks and is something to watch and be impressive pressed by is um, the Paraguayan striker, Carlos Ferreira, but um, overall, I don't think this team has what it needs to to be good. I didn't think either Corey Baird nor Fafa Pico looked good at all last season. I have real questions about whether a center-back pairing of Tim Parker and Daniel Steres is good enough at this phase in Major League Soccer. I would say like two years ago, that was perfectly good, but now neither of them is a top-flight player. Um, and the league has just just keeps getting better. And those two guys have just been fairly average. So this should be a really um, kind of easy to easily take care of uh, win for the Rapids. The only challenge for Colorado is that it's going to be on the road. Um, and, and so we're going to be finding out how this Rapids team plays um, on the road. You know, they've they've been they've had one of the larger gaps in all of Major League Soccer between home and road performance over the last several years. I've done a couple articles that kind of hinted at this, but we're not, we haven't been historically a good road team. And I don't even mean that in terms of like, you know, kind of an absolute number in the sense that like most soccer teams are better at home than they are on the road. So that's like a patently obvious statement. I'm saying in comparison to other teams um, doing the math, I noticed that over the last couple of years, the Rapids are worse than your average MLS team um, on the road than than uh, than they are at home. And um, so that's a thing to kind of keep an eye on. Will the Rapids be able to get the easy road wins? Because the difference between, you know, finishing in the top three of the Western Conference, like I think this team is potentially capable of um, and, you know, kind of locking down that five, six, seven position in the playoffs really depends on getting the easy road wins and I would call this game an easy road win. Matt, what are your thoughts on Houston? Did you have any do you have any thoughts you you made Pablo Nagamora uh kind of mentions. Did you have thoughts on the way he lines up or are we still kind of sussing him out and figuring out who this dude is? I think we're still trying to figure him out. I guess the question that I really have is how much of 
his ideas as a head coach are de- you know in finally being as a head coach outside of the Sporting Kansas City uh pyramid I believe I I might be getting these wrong I I don't know whether or not he spent time in the academy but I think he was an assistant with the first team and then he would have mm-hmm. been with Sporting Kansas City 2 the club formerly known as Swope Park Rangers and how much of that was him basically mirroring uh, Peter Vermees' ideas about the game. They played mostly in a 4-2-3-1. They've mostly been a team that's tried to possess the ball, which I guess at the very least is different from the 4-3-3 more up-tempo uh, system that normally Peter Vermees has historically deployed with SKC. But, you know, I just, I think there's too many new faces in here. You know, we mentioned they've got a new center back pairing. They've got a relatively new main holding midfielder. They've obviously got <clears throat> a brand new striker. They've got a new goalkeeper, and this is an ownership group that's indicating that they're still trying to spend a little bit more money. And I think the in terms of their tactical ideas, particularly with the um, more veteran or the bigger pieces that they have, this team isn't going to be anywhere close to the final version of what I think Pablo Mag- Nagamura wants them to be this season until Hector Herrera shows up in the summer. And then even then, he's maybe got to get adjusted a little bit to MLS. He's got to get adjusted to the fact that he's playing with center backs who make $100,000, and maybe there's performance are indicative of that salary unlike what he's been used to with the Mexican national team and then obviously with one of the um, larger powers outside of uh, Barcelona and uh, Real Madrid in La Liga but I just you know this is the first time head coach for a first team who's on a club that historically hasn't really done anything hasn't done a good job in terms of developing homegrown talent um, has some you know spicy attacking players but ultimately is a budget team that doesn't really perform well and eventually collapses by you know the you know, by the late summer and everything. So I think this team is still relatively too new. I think it's easy. I think that's obvious based on if we go back and look at the preseason match that these two teams played in the um, in the Tucson tournament where, you know, the Rapids effectively, you know, didn't make a substitution until the 60th minute and for the most part played it like an actual club game trying to get a result because the rosters decided they know where their depth charts at and Robin Frazier was trying to build fitness for the start of the season and Houston came out and did a full line change at halftime and then even then was regularly making substitutions throughout the second half. I think this is a roster that Nagamora now is just now starting do get an idea of who his main players are outside of the obvious of Tim Parker is going to be your main center back. Darwin Quintero and Ferreira are going to be your main attackers. But, you know, Corey Baird, Fafa Pico, Tyler Pasture, who's really your best options there? We saw that Zarek Valentin was on the bench for this game against Vancouver. Is he a better option than Griffin Dorsey? All really, really good questions that I think Nagamura is still trying to figure out the answers to or doesn't have a large of enough data set to say definitively one way or the other. In that, this is a team that's in transition. This is a team that, again, based on what we've seen, wants to have a little bit more of the ball. And in that, I think, plays into the Rapids' hands, Mark, because to your point about how the Pids historically have played under Frazier in road games. They've been more pragmatic. They've been open to suffering and being more defensive and trying to play in transition. So if they get to put numbers behind the ball, that's going to help negate the speed of Fafa Pico. Numbers behind the ball and guys, especially loading up the midfield, is going to leave less space for Darwin Quintero. Center backs obviously focusing on a Ferreira as their main attacking piece as the lone starting striker is going to be a little bit easier. And then the Rapids can do things in transition, assuming Lucas Estevez and his lower leg muscles are okay to go and I have to wonder with a new goalkeeper and then a new center back partnership what's this team going to look like in terms of setting up and preparation on set pieces and is that a weakness that the Rapids should be able to take advantage of given Steve Clark's propensity for making spectacular saves and then later in the game forgetting that he has hands and doesn't know how to use them so I I agree with you Mark I think this is a lesser team this is one of the easier away games that you're going to have the fact that we're playing Houston in March and not in you know late June July or August is certainly advantageous to get this game out of the way and play it when it's less hot Uh, and I'm looking for the Rapids to get a result. Rabbi, anything else you want to say about this game? And do we want to do predictions? We should do predictions. Um, I feel like this is going to be a tricky game for the Rapids to get out of. Um, it feels like a good chance for a draw. So let's say it a, let's call it a 1-1. Matt, what do you think? I was going to go with a 1-1 as well. Um, Ferreira nice. 
has an assist in this game. He's yet to open his account. I think certainly with Darwin Quintero getting the brace on the weekend, that's something that they're going to try and focus. One or both of them combining to try and create goals. And I do have some questions based on, is Danny Wilson going to be back for this game? Is Lucas Estevez going to be good to go for this game? And let's not remember, let's not forget. (laughs) We're having problems with the words remember and forget today. We're forgetting to remember and remembering to forget. Uh, in in any case, you know, this is the last game before the international break. The next game that the, the Rapids have is that first weekend in April with the home leg of the Rocky Mountain Cup. So I don't know if you think, hey, we're not sure whether or not somebody could go. We don't need to hurt them. You know, can we do something else tactically? Does Robin Frazier, you know, would um, playing Sebastian Anderson <clears throat> in a particular position or one of the more unorthodox things that Robin Frazier's done, like Kellen Acosta at left wing back, like Brian Galvan moving into a more defensive wide role, like Austin Trusty as a left back in a uh, in a four back line, for example. Could he try something like that and have confidence in that? And then at that point, you've got two weeks to get those guys with muscle injuries. And if they were both questionable for this game and you don't play them, I would assume that they'd both be back by two weeks and then full, you know, two weeks worth of training in order to get ready for the Rocky Mountain Cup, I think is something to also take into account. Robin Frazier's been very judicious with his triaging and understanding that this is a marathon, not a sprint, and this is just one leg, and simply getting a point is in the end of the world. Mark, I think the Rapids get something on a set piece. I think the set pieces have woken up. I think the fact that you've got uh, a lesser defense in the Houston Dynamo and obviously a bunch of new pieces still trying to understand each other and what their roles are on set pieces are going to allow the Rapids to do something there. I think they might have some opportunities in transition, but if Danny Wilson can't go, um, I think defensively they're going to have their hands full with Ferreira and Quintero, and if Lucas Estevez can't go, I think this team is going to be less dangerous in transition than they're capable of, but who knows, Mark, maybe we're both wrong, maybe it's going to be a Barrios banger and then shutting up shot shop and then holding on for your butts like historically the Rapids have been able to grind out, you know, uh, you know, almost like uh, title weight, like heavyweight boxing fights in these games down in Texas like they did 1-0 against Austin and then that crazy comeback they had in the second half against the Houston Dynamo last year as well. Uh, So uh, I think that does it for us. Rabbi, anything else we want to say or shall we get out of here? You know, Matt, I have this one really last important thing to say. Icarus Football is a design-focused brand that was founded in 2017 to provide teams with creative and personal football kits. Here at Icarus, we're fed up with boring template designs. Each club that we partner with is provided with a dedicated graphic design professional who will work with you to produce a totally unique design that reflects your team's history, values, location, and culture. Icarus Football is one of our sponsors. And Matt, you know who the other one is? Roughneck Scarves. They make custom soccer scarves and beanies. Custom soccer scarves and beanies for your school team or business. Customized with logo, graphics, colors, and text. Learn more about our easy five-step ordering process. Matt, can you believe I came up with all of that just off the top of my head and did not read that copy off of uh, our advertisers at all? Would you believe that if I told you that? Uh, Mark, I would say that you're forgetting to remember. I am remembering to forget. Matt, tell them about how to hit us on the socials, on the email, or where to ca- catch up with our written material, including our extremely anti-capitalist rants against <laughs> ownership in soccer and the need for anarcho-collectivist possession uh, via bi-weekly meeting in a rotating basis of an executive provided by the proletariat. Listeners, you can follow us individually on Twitter at soccer underscore rabbi and at Matt. Pollard, check out Mark's Pittsburgh-related content at Pittsburgh Soccer Now, and check out my MLS content, uh, written content at lastwordonsports.com backslash soccer. Check out the podcast on the socials at Rapids96Podcast. Send us your questions using the hashtag AskHTHL, or get at us in long form uh, by emailing us at Rapids96Podcast at gmail.com. Check out our political manifestos at our <laughs> Substack, stack uh, holdingthehighline.substack.com. That's where you can become a paid member of the Highliner and help us defeat the capitalist pigs. (laughs) Oh, my God. We're going to get canceled. 
Um, and then also, you know, in, in general, uh, Mark, you know, had a, a really impassioned Twitter thread, not about the the not about uh, the backpass from this week, about the independent content that we are shelling out. He uh, recently dropped the. I should say the the first half, but technically part two of his conversation with Richard Fleming behind the paywall, um, you know, helping support us with the equipment that we're buying, the software that we're using. Obviously, um, putting this podcast on a podcatcher is not free, and we put in a lot of work. We do it because it's... And buying us a beer. We deserve beer every once in a while, Matt. We deserve proletariat beer at our proletariat <laughs> uh, speakeasies. Uh, you know, and so we, we put in a lot of work for this. And we think if you're capable of and you value it, you know, supporting this independent journalism can help us grow and make it better. We're putting in a lot of that content to really make it worth the people who are paying five bucks a month or certainly $42 for the year. Um, that being said, you know, Mark, I, I don't know that we've asked you to discuss this out loud, but like the podcast is never going to be behind a paywall if we get big and get like god forbid no it's it's for the people it's for the masses it's 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 for the lumpen proletariat uh and if we uh you know but i you know if we ever get bought out by the athletic or stitcher then there might be an option to pay and then get you know behind a paywall to where it's at your listening ad free but you know we want to maintain that the podcast is always going to be readily available we're going to make it easy to find uh it's going to be free and it's not like not paying attention to the other content that we have. You're, you know, you're going to have continuity between the podcasts as opposed to like only getting like one episode of a TV show and then the other ones behind some subscription service. So then you're not getting the entire picture. The, the podcast is going to continue to be comprehensive, but the extra, um, you know, more hardcore, in-depth, hard, you know, content that takes more effort, but certainly we still has value and should exist in there. Um, you know, we want to make that a sweet option for those who are continuing to support us. So um, you can choose to become a member of that by heading on over to our Substack and uh, paying either by the month or a subscription for the entire year. Or you can give us a single uh, lump sum cash donation um, at patreon.com backslash rapids96podcast or uh, by heading on over to the Denver Post, denverpost.com backslash HTHL for a very good deal on the digital sports content that the Post is chucking out. Brendan Ploen doing some fantastic work covering the Rapids and then obviously... Uh, b- we should have him on, Matt. We should interview him. Now, uh, I've talked to him about this, Mark. Uh, he went to Marquette and he actually would have been there when uh, Axel Huiberi was... Uh, with was uh with marquette so okay brendan we're gonna we're gonna have you on the podcast at some point when it's if you're still listening at this point (laughs) when it's convenient (laughs) uh but in any case listeners we will see you next week peace